in 1980, Neil Diamond sang the song Love on the Rocks. Do you remember that one? It's about a marriage that was cratering. Hey, what do you do if your marriage is in trouble? What do you do if on a scale of 1 to 10, you're barely getting a 2 in your marriage relationship? Is there hope for a struggling marriage? The answer is yes. If you'll put God's Word into practice in your marriage, you can see God do miracles. Well, welcome to Real Truth for Today. I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve, and uh, I am the pastor of First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas, and the founder of From His Heart Ministries. From His Heart is heard every weeknight at 6 p.m. Central Time right here on American Family Radio. Well, today we have uh, three people in the studio, my wife, Debbie, and Chris and Rochelle Schroeder, and they just wrote a new book together called Marriage Resurrection. So... Debbie, Chris, Rochelle, welcome to the program. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. Dr. Shreve. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so Chris, this is Dr. Chris Schroeder is our teaching pastor, and Rochelle is one of our counselors. Uh, Chris and Rochelle do a lot of marriage counseling together, and they have been married for... Almost 10 years. 10 years in June. Mm -hmm. Almost 10 10 years. years. Yep. And have uh, three girls, three daughters, and yep. uh, two biological. And then Brooklyn uh, was Chris's daughter when when you guys got married. And uh, you guys have helped a lot of marriages over the years. And God has used you in great ways. But now this, Chris, this is your first book, and you guys wrote this together, uh, Marriage Resurrection. Tell us how this came into being. Well, um, I mean, obviously, it's a big passion of ours to help marriages, especially marriages that are struggling. And so uh, we had this kind of on our hearts for a long time. And then um, when I did my doctorate, I did the thesis on marriage ministry. And so that kind of led into the book, like, hey, now that I've done this, I'd like to really put this into practice and kind of got tired of recommending other people's books, you know, to each couple. And so what if we had our own book that we could use in counseling? And so that kind of is where it came from. Would you say that a lot of people that come into your office for counseling, it is because of marriage issues? Is that the predominant driving force of the type of counseling that you see? I would say at least 60%. And, you know, sometimes they just come as individuals. High percentage of marriage counseling is is set up by the Mm -hmm. wife. The wife will call for the counseling. And sometimes only one of them will come to the counseling initially. Right. All right, so uh, this was a collaborative effort. So is is each chapter uh, worked on together, or is it, hey, Rochelle, you take this chapter, and I'll take these other chapters? Uh, it was more of, hey, Rochelle, you take these chapters, <laughs> and I'll do these chapters, uh, which is fine with me, because uh, this was kind of a new thing for me, uh, something I never really anticipated on doing, but... We really um, believe in the sanctity of marriage and the institution of marriage and felt like it was super important. And so, um, and we're in this together. And so I wanted to be part of that journey with him. So I wrote a couple of chapters. The rest of it um, is Chris's, but a lot of of discussion, a lot of um, collaboration in the chapters, but I officially wrote two. And then I think you probably proofed a lot of the book. Oh, yes. That's her specialty is proofreading and editing, and that's that's her real specialty, and not my specialty. Yes. Uh, That's a huge part of writing, and it's a a tedious part, but it's important because nobody wants to read a book that's full 
are filled with you know typos and that kind of thing. So um, in putting this together, Chris, how long and Rochelle, how long did this take from start to finish? Um, I think probably we could say about six months total of writing. But, you know, like I said, the thesis that I did and all the marriage books that we've read and uh, referred people to, all of that. So it's been in our brain for a long period of time. So a matter of just putting it on paper. Um, but, uh, you know, once you get going, you get momentum and you just start writing. And so once I got momentum, I was able to go pretty quick. Yeah, and I would say that this dream had kind of been put in Chris's heart, I mean, several years ago. And so then with the doctorate and it being focused on marriage ministry, a lot of our work here at the church being focused on marriage ministry. So, I mean, it's been a thought in our minds for a couple of years, but yeah, about six months for the actual getting the book together and out. Okay, so the title, Marriage Resurrection. Uh, that makes me think, okay, this is a book for those who have love on the rocks. Yeah. Is that, is that kind of how you wrote it? Yeah, and also we want to infiltrate the gospel. You know, we want to lead people to Christ. So when your marriage is struggling, it's a great opportunity to present the gospel message and what it means to be saved, what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. And, you know, obviously Jesus was resurrected. Jesus is alive. And that resurrection isn't just for salvation, but it's also for every area of our life and continued growth in our life, um, even, you know, sanctification. There's no better sanctifying tool in our life than marriage. And so uh, Marriage Resurrection indicates that the book has a spiritual component to it. I feel like we've struck the balance of being practical, real, you know, pragmatic, practical truths that can help people that they can apply to their marriage, but also spiritual. I think some books lean one extreme or the other. I feel like we were able to strike the balance of here's some practical things you could do to help your marriage, but this is spiritual. It's about a marriage resurrection. Well, and, uh, you know, I, I have said many times where the rubber meets the road in your Christian life is at home. Uh, anybody can praise the Lord at church. And Chris, I know you and I have had conversations before about people that, that seem so godly at church and they have such trouble at home living that out. And so you're talking about the sanctifying uh, part of marriage, and God really does use that because... Uh, living with another person, two sinners living under the same roof uh, is tough. Yeah, you got two sinners coming together. You've got two different family of origins, different personalities, different genders, all the differences now coming together with the biblical um, hope of becoming one flesh, of becoming one. So that challenge is enormous. And, um, you know, when your marriage is struggling, when your marriage is uh, like you use the term on the rocks, when your marriage is in a bad place, it's so difficult to worship. It's so difficult to focus on anything else but your marriage. And so you come to church and that's just like a black cloud over your head. And so uh, it affects every part of your life. I have said this before uh, so many times that there is no greater lonely than a lonely marriage. Yeah, that's right. Because when you're single, you can be lonely, but it's a it's a different level of lonely when you're in a bad marriage. Oh yeah. And um, you know the the thing that you need more than anything in that situation is you want your spouse to be willing to fight for your marriage at the level in which you're wanting to fight for it to become resurrected because it does take two people mm-hmm. for that to transpire. One person alone can't resurrect. I mean, one human person alone can't really resurrect a marriage. It takes two people to do that. Right, and that's one of our first questions when people come in for marriage counseling is, uh, are you willing to work? You know, both parties, are you willing to work? But uh, marriage is not the number one priority. 
the number one priority is being glorifying, you know, pleasing to God. Mm -hmm. And so um, we don't want to say, will you do anything to save your marriage? We don't want to say that because we don't want to sacrifice. We're not going to sacrifice our faith. We're not going to sacrifice a relationship with Jesus in order to help our marriage. Well, I was thinking as Debbie was saying that, you know, nothing worse than uh, than being alone when you're married. Uh, it's better to be single. Um, there's that old country and western song, "Sleeping Single in a Double Bed," and uh, and you got all the songs today, do. You know, yes. from country to yeah. Neil Diamond. Yeah. I, I have a wide range of yes. of uh, songs, but uh, it, it is it is awful. And if one person wants to work on the marriage and the other doesn't, uh, then it takes a lot of prayer that that other person would be willing to make that go. And I know there's a chapter in the book about divorce. Uh, you guys really cover the gamut of marriage, and uh, one of the things I, I loved, and this is toward the end of the book, but you share your personal testimonies, and uh, so Chris and Rochelle, you guys came into this marriage from a very different journey, and so Rochelle, you had never, you had never really shared. So I mean, you said this is I'm being vulnerable. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to, mm -hmm. you know, but I am. So can you be vulnerable with our listeners? <laughs> I can. I can. So um, I am the oldest of three kids, but I was the last to get married um, out of all of them. And so I watched friends get married, college friends, um, friends that I taught with, because um, at the time I was teaching elementary school, and it was hard. I mean, it was hard to um, to be kind of the single one um, for such a long time and just really, you know, would seek the Lord, just really put my focus on the Lord because I knew that um, he was really the only one that could fill me. I mean, not to say that there wasn't um, times of extreme loneliness, of doubt that marriage was ever going to happen for me, but I just really wanted to focus on serving the Lord and then whatever he had would, would come my way. And so, um, 33, I was 33 when Chris and I got married and 35 when we had our first daughter and 37 when we had our second daughter. So, um, don't give up. I mean, right. don't give up. That's really, uh, God can, can do anything. And even when I felt like I was at the point of, okay, it's I'm not going to happen. It's not going to happen. I'm right. going to be single. This in the nick gentleman. of time, she found That's the right. perfect guy. That's right. That's what happened. That's well, what happened. you know, I think about that with our daughter Amy in Psalm 37 4 delight yourself in the Lord, and He'll give you the desires of your heart. And God is faithful when He puts that in because you had shared in the book you had a desire to be a wife and a mom, mm -hmm. and uh, that was that wasn't just some passing fancy i mean that right. was deep in your heart yeah. you know that's what i want to to have happen and god was faithful as you mm -hmm. prayed and as you sought him and so well, I, I, th I think there's a good message there too and that is don't compromise right mm -hmm. you know don't settle um in your fear of of what your future is going to look like if you don't a attach yourself to this particular individual but to truly surrender that and trust the lord with that because his timing is perfect and he does have that special someone for you and to not compromise because short of salvation your choice in marriage is the most important decision you are ever going to yeah, make in your crucial, life crucial. um and so making a good choice is is cannot be underrated no. <laughs> making a good choice. Well, yeah. and I think too, that's where like, so when my, I told my parents, you know, that I'd met Chris um, and 
was explaining the relationship to him. My parents really trusted me because they knew my heart and they knew that I was not willing to compromise, that I had waited for so long. And so they knew that um, they could trust my decision because of just the way that I had had lived my life and the the way that I had chosen to follow the Lord and to wait on the Lord in this. And so they knew that they could trust, trust me um, with that. And of course they fell in love with him once they met him, but they gave me a lot of grace. I mean, they made it real easy for me to love them and they accepted me right away with a daughter at the time, an eight year old daughter at the time. And uh, they loved me right away. I mean, they, you know, they didn't make it hard for me to, you know, be accepted into their family. Well, and Chris, you had you had to work through baggage because Mm -hmm. your wife left and you'd been married for how many years? 14 years, 14 years. Mm -hmm. And so went through the, the total heartbreak of of her saying i don't want to be married anymore and and you're you thought your three-year-old son was yours is not yours right and uh so that's just devastating news and uh so how did you heal from that well i mean um yeah we definitely came from two very different places but uh god had really uh healed my heart i really turned to the lord in that time of just great uh, disaster in my life. I turned to the Lord and he really did heal my heart. He picked up the pieces and, you know, put it all together. And so by the time that Rochelle and I started dating, I was at a much better place. But you never, you know, forget what had happened to you and it does impact you. It does change who you are. It does grow you. And that's one of the reasons I'm so passionate about marriage ministry because I've been in a struggling marriage. I've been in a marriage that didn't work and was not good. And now I'm in a you know a great marriage, a healthy marriage where we truly do love each other and sacrifice for one another. So I can see the contrast, and it's taught me a lot about marriage. Amen. Well, the book is entitled Marriage Resurrection. Dr. Chris Schroeder and his wife Rochelle wrote it, and it's their first book uh, together. It's uh, Chris's first book, and uh, I I uh, read the book and was blessed by as blessed by your story, as blessed by Matt and Reagan's story that yeah. you include in there. Uh, two good friends of ours, and uh, this is a this is a book that will encourage people in marriage and if you think your marriage is dead hey god specializes in raising the dead and you can have a marriage resurrection well you're listening to real truth for today and i'm your host pastor jeff shreve along with debbie and we're talking to dr uh, chris schroeder and his wife rochelle about this brand new book the marriage resurrection so we are going to take a quick break and we will be right back don't go away back to Real Truth for today. Pastor Jeff Shreve here along with my wife Debbie and we're talking to Dr. Chris and Rochelle Schroeder about their brand new book Marriage Resurrection. Marriage Resurrection is designed to help people whose marriages are in trouble and they're about ready to throw in the towel. Here is the good news. God is the God of hope and he is the God of might and miracle and he can resurrect a dead marriage if he can raise Lazarus from the dead. He can raise your marriage from the uh, ash heap, so to speak. And so, uh, Chris and Rochelle, uh, where can somebody get a copy of this book? Okay, they can get a copy of the book on, I should have let you answer this question, but marriageresurrection.com. So you go to that, we developed a website where you could go and you can click on and you can purchase the book. Okay, Chris, 
And Rochelle, if you can just tell us, because um, I, I, I know that you can probably sum up in general terms, people that come into your office for counseling, for marriage counseling, if you had to boil it down to the top three or four things that are just common issues that marriages struggle with, what would you say those would be? And then what were what were some advice or tips or encouragements that you give in the book to help people work through those issues? Well, I would say a big thing is just selfishness. I mean, people come in and they're, you know, we operate from selfishness. I mean, that's just our human nature, but also pride. Pride is another one that we see um, commonly in our, in marriages. Unfortunately, we've seen quite a bit um, of infidelity as couples have come in. That's been um, just really heartbreaking, but I would say in the last probably six months to a year, we've seen a lot of couples come in where there's been infidelity in the marriage and um, just emotional yeah. and physical. That right. could be physical, you know, affair, or it could be just emotionally. It could be um, online, you know, social media, social um, media, a lot. just technology, the phone. I mean, because that's really what. I would say the majority of it's been, it's been less of the, the physical, but a lot of like the emotional um, and things that have happened through text messaging, um, through Facebook, through social media. And so, I mean, I would say that those are kind of the top things that we've seen so far, um, you know, which when there's trouble, you know, with selfishness, with pride, with those things, then that leads to problems in communication, um, problems with just the way that they interact and relate to each other. There's a lot of just distrust um, within the relationship. And so that a lot of repairing that needs to be done um, and a lot of work that needs to be done to rebuild all of that. Well, and so you have a chapter, chapter uh, three, marriage takes work. I think a lot of people go into marriage, and, and Chris, I know you do a lot of premarital counseling. You guys do that together, but they don't think it's going to be hard. They just, oh, we're so in love. This will just take care of itself. It doesn't. Right. Uh, marriage is a lot of hard work. And why do you think people buy into that lie that we're just so in love that love will keep us together? Okay, I'm going to be super honest. Uh, pre-marriage counseling is kind of a hard one because it's ridiculous. Like they think that it's just going to be a bed of roses. They think it's going to be perfect. There's not going to be any problems. And, you know, I try and give steps to help them to prepare for what they're about to go into, but they are so gushy and in love that love is just going to take care of it and they're not going to have to work. And so when you have unrealistic expectations like that, that leads to disappointment. And disappointment is at the heart of marriage struggles because you have this view of how everything's going to be so glorious and so perfect, but it takes work. Anything worth it takes work. And marriage is just like that. It, it takes two people working together. Would you say in premarital counseling in particular that you're kind of just talking to yourself a lot? Because, I mean, yeah, honestly, yeah. I mean, they come in and, and they've already made the decision, hey, this is what we're doing. Right. Now, everywhere now and then, I'm sure through the counseling, uh, eyes are opened and maybe relationships come to an end, which, mm -hmm. which is good. Mm -hmm. um, but what's your, what would you say about that issue, Chris. Well, we use a pro we use a program called Symbis S Y M B I S. It's called Saving Your Marriage Before It Starts by uh, Les and Leslie Parrott. And so the couple will take a test, 
It will spit out a bunch of information about themselves and their compatibility with one another. And there has been several times where couples have begun to go through it and then have called off the marriage, Mm -hmm. like they haven't even gotten married. Mm -hmm. And I also really uh, commend couples who aren't even engaged yet or they're just not quite sure if they are gonna get married and they take that test and they see how compatible they are and then maybe they decide not to or maybe they decide to you know, get engaged and get married. But um, sometimes couples, it looks like there's no way, I'm thinking in my mind, there's no way this couple's gonna make it. And then the other couples, I'm like, wow, they just look, it's just great. This is gonna be a great marriage. And it ends up being the opposite. Mm -hmm. So it's really hard to predict, which shows you that it takes work. Even if you're super compatible with one another, it takes work. And I am a believer in compatibility. I hear a lot of marriage counselors, especially Christian marriage counselors say that they don't put as much emphasis on how compatible the couple is. I am a big believer in compatibility because the more compatible you are, the easier it is to work on the marriage. And really that means the more similar you are, you're closer to similar than opposite. Well, I'm I'm thinking about a particular couple. Um, They were married almost 30 years and so incompatible, both Christians, yeah. but their marriage was just miserable. And finally she got to the point, she's just like, I can't do this anymore. Um, and they divorced. And uh, she didn't want to hear from, from me about, well, you're not supposed to do that. She said, I tried everything. And she finally just gave up, you know, and, and I, I felt for her. I felt for her husband. But uh, one of the things was, you know, let's just face it. You didn't really think this through before you said, I do. Yeah. Because they weren't very compatible. Chris, you mentioned in the book in your, your marriage to Yvonne, that was 14 years. And uh, you said... You shouldn't have married her. Yeah. I I remember you, uh, when I came to this church, when you were interviewing me, you were asking me about it. Obviously, you're bringing someone to do counseling who's been divorced, you know, and uh, you were asking me about it. And then bottom line, um, I shouldn't have gotten married to her. I mean, I still believe that if uh, if she was willing to work and we were willing to get counseling, um, that it could have worked even through infidelity. But... um, Bottom line is I married the wrong person. I got ahead of God. It it wasn't in line with what God wanted for my life, and it wasn't the right person for me to marry. And if people would have spoken into my life and told me that, I'm not sure if I would have listened. Mm -hmm. There wasn't really anyone speaking in my life saying that, but um, it wasn't the right person to marry. So I I am a firm believer in marrying the right person and listening to the counsel around you. Mm -hmm. Um, I've counseled couples who their parents aren't giving their blessing to the marriage. And these are solid, solid, you know, Bible-believing parents. I believe the couple should listen to that that counsel, to that advice. Right. Yeah, uh, people that really love you. Now, sometimes the parents, because Debbie's parents, or Debbie's mom, really, yeah. she didn't like me. Um, she didn't want. Hard to believe. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. Gosh. Yeah. Um, so sometimes that can. That's not a yeah. hard and fast, but. People that love you, friends and and family members and people that really want what's best for you, they can see things that you can't see because you you can get so blinded by these emotions of of love and romance that you're not seeing clearly, hey, this is not – that guy doesn't have a job. And, uh, you know, 
the 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 sex can only take you so far in marriage because the euphoria of that is going to wear off and then as uh joyce littower wrote one time after every wedding comes the marriage yeah and then you have to live this out and the idea that they lived happily ever after well that doesn't just happen magically you got to work at it well i've seen a lot of couples focus more on the actual wedding ceremony than they do on the marriage you know so they're thinking about this one day that day is going to be over and now it's it's the marriage and so it's much better to focus on how are we going to get along how are we going to be husband and wife together Chris, can you talk for a moment, and Rochelle also, can you talk for a moment about the importance of spiritual compatibility and how significant that is in the choice that you make in a partner for life? Yeah, I mean, that is, I would say, number one, because, I mean, if you are not spiritually compatible, if you don't hold the same values, the same beliefs, then it's going to cause a lot of problems. It's going to cause problems in how you raise your kids, um, in how you handle finances, like how you spend your money, um, the decisions, you know, that you make, the charities that you may, um, give to the, the service, the acts of service that you may do. And so that's, that's key because, you know, you want somebody that is like-minded, um, in their beliefs and in their faith so that you guys can grow together. You can have um, common fellowship together. Um, crucial absolutely crucial well i tell my daughters uh especially my oldest daughter the six-year-old and the eight-year-old they don't get it yet but the, <laughs> but the 19 year old two two things just two things it's that simple that they love the lord you know that they're believers that they're followers of jesus and that they're hardworking. if one of those is missing you're in trouble i mean there's some christians who love the lord who aren't willing to work hard so they're not going to provide they're not going to do what it takes and then there's uh ones who are going to work hard but they're not going to church with you. They're not going to pray with you. They're not going to lead the family spiritually as they're called to do. Mm-hmm. And so those two areas are the two biggest areas um, for you to look for. Well, and I think too, like when you're not connected spiritually, I mean, you're missing out on a whole element of intimacy um, that is, I think, key. Because if you don't have that spiritual intimacy, then, I mean, that's a big part of marriage that that is missing. Well, and I, I think that you are not capable of truly loving someone in your flesh. Yeah. You're too selfish. I mean, yeah. we just all are. And it you cannot supernaturally love someone yeah. without the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit living in you and through you. It's just not possible. Okay, let's talk about this because you have a chapter in the book. This is marriage resurrection, so it's it's marriages that are in trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're maybe uh, from a scale of terrible to tolerable, but it's definitely not off the chain. And and they're not saying, "Man, I'm loving being married." They're they're just enduring it and about ready to throw in the well, towel. It could be, and it could be like they're fighting all the time, or it could be uh, they're together. We call it an H frame marriage where they're together but they're really living two separate lives. Mm-hmm. And so there's not a lot of fighting. There's mainly just apathy. So that also needs a marriage resurrection. So right. it's not like you're maybe on the verge of divorce, but you're just, uh, you don't really have the kind of marriage that's you know pleasing to the Lord. Okay, so chapter nine, reignite your passion. How does a couple do that? Well, I always ask couples, um, okay, what is the opposite of love? So love, the word love is passion. Okay, and there's different kinds of love. You know, in the in the English language, we have love. So I could say that I love pizza, or I could say that I love Rochelle, and it's one word. But in the Greek, there's many words for love. So there's eros, the romantic. 
There's agape, the commitment kind of love, the deepest kind of love. There's phileo, the friendship kind of love. And so um, there's different forms of love. And the opposite of that is opposite. Usually people say hate and say, well, did God hate? There is things that God hates. God hates sin. God hates, you know, injustice. He hates things that happen to babies and children. So the opposite of love is indifference. It's apathy. So it's when you've just checked in, you're just, you've checked out and you're not even trying anymore. So you're apathetic. So in this chapter, we talk about reigniting the passion and how you can you need that passion in your marriage. And there's a lot of couples who are very proud because they've been married for a long period of time. We've been married 30 years, we've been married 40 years, but there's no passion in their marriage. There's, mm-hmm. there's apathy. Okay. And so when we reignite the passion, uh, that also reignites the the physical desire for our spouse. And and uh, I, I've always said, you know, you can tell uh, sex doesn't make the marriage, but sex tells on the marriage. It's very revealing. So if the marriage is bad, the love life is going to be bad. And I've never met a couple that has a great love life and a terrible marriage. Those that doesn't work like that. Um, and so uh, the chapter on uh, the bedroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you have to say about that? Oh man, now even on the radio, like when I first did marriage, <laughs> when I first did marriage counseling, I would skip that section on on sex. But the more I've done marriage counseling, I've realized how important this is, what a crucial aspect this is. And so I just talk about in the chapter about how uh, used to not even want to counsel about it. Now I'm writing about it in a book. And not a lot of uh, personal anecdotes in right. that chapter <laughs> at all, <laughs> but um, very, very important. The um, it's a byproduct. It's a uh, indicator of the health of the marriage, how the sex life is. Well, I believe, I mean, there's two ways that you can connect most intimately with your spouse. One is through sex. I mean, that's the physical intimacy part. But even with that, it's more than just the physical. It's the emotional. Um, There's a spiritual connection there as well. And then also through prayer. I think prayer is the other um, act that you can do with your spouse that is the most intimate thing you can do because there you're really revealing your heart. So it's that connection, the physical connection that brings you together. Um, And so we've even talked to couples about um, growing that area because it helps. It puts you on the same page. It draws you closer together, especially when a couple has a decision to make. They're thinking about the future and decisions, things that they need to do. Um, Sex and prayer, not together, but separate, Mm -hmm. sex and prayer Mm -hmm. are areas where you can grow closer together. Yeah, and God is God is for sex in marriage. Yeah, He says in First Corinthians seven, stop depriving one another. The wife doesn't have authority over her own body; the husband does. The husband doesn't have authority over his body; the wife does. And so we need to come together, and that makes for uh, a good, loving, close relationship. Well, the church has done a terrible job of talking about it because we often have the message of "Don't do it, don't do it, don't do it," and then to get married. Do it. Have a great time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Once you get married, you shop till you drop. And uh, so that, that is one of the things that Debbie and I learned is, is to be able to talk about that. We should not be ashamed to talk about what God was not ashamed to create. And God created sex. Uh, it wasn't created by Playboy magazine. It was created by God. And it's designed for our pleasure and our good and procreation. That's how you have children. Well, we're talking to... Chris and Rochelle Schroeder about their new book, The Marriage Resurrection. And you can get a copy of this great book at marriageresurrection.com, marriageresurrection.com.
www.thepeopleshow.com. And this is a great resource for those who are struggling, for those who need to be encouraged in this thing called marriage. You're listening to Real Truth for Today, and I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve, and we're going to take a quick break. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Romans chapter 15 verse 13 says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You're listening to Real Truth for Today, and I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve, along with my wife, Debbie. We're talking to Chris and Rochelle Schroeder, and we're talking about their brand new book, Marriage Resurrection, Hope for Struggling Marriages. Hey, God can do a miracle in your marriage if you'll trust him, if you'll look to him, and if you'll put his word into practice. And speaking of hope, that's your first chapter. That's the first chapter in your book is hope for your marriage. So talk with us and just kind of go through how did you come up with the order in which you wrote this book and and just tell us some unique elements. You've read a lot of marriage books, so tell us some unique marriage elements in this book that you have have seen missing in other books and why you included them tips from the tour chris there you go tips from the tour that's good uh so i like the word hope i just love the word hope and we use hope a lot in our counseling because we want to give people hope so we call it hope focused counseling because when people come in and their marriage is not good we want to point them to jesus and that gives them hope jesus is the hope giver and so uh, the first part is just about what jesus has done and what how that can relate to our marriage how that can uh help heal our marriages and then there's a risk talk about the risk of getting married there's a risk in being vulnerable and being open with someone else but it's required a lot of marriages struggle because they're closed off because they're not taking that risk of opening up to one another Uh, we talk about uh, working in marriage the work that it takes to make a marriage successful Um, we talk about communication Uh, we talk about uh, Rochelle writes a chapter on meeting uh, his needs and then I write a chapter on writing meeting her needs and so how men and women are definitely different and unique and so specific ways that we can meet each other's needs uh, we talk about anger because anger can creep into a marriage there's bitterness and resentment that can creep into a marriage um, we talk about sex we talk about uh, infidelity and how you can overcome an affair in a marriage. A lot of times couples think that a marriage is over when there's an affair, but actually an affair gives you an opportunity. I mean, it's not like we recommend this, right. but, <laughs> but it's an opportunity for a resurrection because a lot of times marriages were, they don't, affairs don't come out of nowhere. You know, the marriage was not in a good place. And now because there has been infidelity, there's an opportunity for a uh, resurrection for a for a new marriage and then we do have a chapter on divorce and remarriage because of my personal experience with divorce and remarriage and the experience of divorce causes so much shame and then a lot of times couples will bring that into their next marriage and so uh, scripturally what does the Bible say about divorce and remarriage there's a lot of misconceptions about it in the church and so I talk about it just from a biblical perspective what what are some of those misconceptions Chris? The, basically the mindset that it is the unpardonable sin you know and if you have that that mindset that it's the unpardonable sin uh, you're not reading the Bible correctly 
because every sin can be forgiven except you know blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And so someone can be restored and someone can be uh, definitely forgiven and new opportunities can be had. And so there's usually a pretty harsh view. Um, even in the secular world, there's a harsh view and there's a lot of shame that comes from divorce. Well, okay, so we deal with that, Chris, in the church where um, you know people that like to throw stones say, well, you, you guys, uh, you, you hammer on homosexuality, but look at all the divorced people in your church that are divorced and remarried. Uh, maybe it's one time, two times, three times, or whatever it might be, and you seem to give those a pass. I like how you said in the chapter, um, you know, there is divorce sometimes is unavoidable. Mm -hmm. it, you can't have a marriage with a person that doesn't want to be married. So in your situation, you couldn't have fixed your marriage when Yvonne said, I'm out. Mm -hmm. uh, there's nothing you could do. And uh, you were willing to work, but she was not. And so uh, t talk about the person that feels such guilt and shame and and you know, just like I'm damaged goods now that I've been divorced. Yeah, shame is the first emotion that Adam and Eve felt in the garden when they took from the fruit from the took fruit from the tree that God told them not to take from. They felt shame, and so they hid. And shame is saying, "This is who I am." So I, not only has have I done this, but I am this. I am a divorcee. So I wear a big letter D on my chest the rest of my life because this is who I am. And uh, that's that's not the way that God operates. He uh, gives forgiveness. And when there's true repentance, when there's true godly sorrow, that leads to for God's forgiveness and a new opportunity. And so, um, you know, uh, people who haven't been divorced have really, it seems like, have a difficult time understanding people who have been divorced and, you know, the emotions that that causes. We have a ministry in our church called Divorce Care, and it's 13 weeks. It's a great ministry that helps people all the different facets of going through divorce. Okay, so Rochelle, for you, um, never be, never have been married, and you you connect with Chris on eHarmony, and you get to know him, and you knew his story. Right. Um, the fact that he was divorced and had a daughter was that something that made you say, "Oh, this this probably isn't the guy for me." It really didn't. I think you know, kind of early on in my journey, and as the older I got, I you know, had kind of had that thought like, oh, I don't know if I would want to date somebody who had a kid or anything like that. But from the moment he sent me that little wink on eHarmony um, and I got online and looked at his profile, I mean, he was very honest and upfront about it. I mean, he had pictures with Brooklyn on there. Um, I mean, it, it didn't deter me at all. It did not. It was not a deterrent. In fact, um, Brooklyn and I are super, super close. I just love her to pieces and um, have been since the very beginning. And so it really wasn't for me. I thought it would be um, in the beginning, and but it wasn't at all. And we just want to say with eHarmony, so we got online through eHarmony, and that's how we met. And we were really believers in meeting someone online, especially when you're – I was pastoring at the time. So, I mean, how am I going to meet someone, right? Mm -mm. But um, – eHarmony has changed a lot since we were yes. on it. It's changed ownership and we would not be on eHarmony now. We've seen the commercials and we've read about who the new ownership is. We would have not gotten on eHarmony. Well, isn't it promoting homosexual yeah. relationships? Yeah, it's totally gone down the tube. So um, that to me reminds me of the sovereignty of God, how for that season of time, we felt comfortable with eHarmony right. and felt like it was the best one to get on. But now we wouldn't even have met because we wouldn't, even, we wouldn't get on eHarmony.
Well, I know, Chris, during the break, we were talking about divorce and we were talking about remarriages and that kind of thing. And um, what are some words of wisdom that you could give that person listening today that has suffered through just the horrors and the devastation of a divorce and that has a desire in their heart to remarry? What what types of advice could you give to help them make a wise choice this uh, second time around? Right, because so many people make another bad choice. They jump into another marriage, and it's not good. They're not compatible, and then it's, you know, they're divorced two, three, four times. Yeah, and I've uh, the statistics say that the second marriage, the divorce rate goes up. The percentage goes up. But from personal experience, I have seen a lot of people, especially in the church, that are on their second marriage that have great marriages, Mm -hmm. that have really learned and they've grown. And so um, you have an opportunity to be restored. You have an opportunity to be healed. And so take your time getting healed. Take your time taking ownership for your part of the marriage, the part that went wrong. So if it was 99% the other person's fault, you take that ownership of that 1% and what you should do differently, how you could grow through that experience. And don't give up on marriage because marriage is a beautiful thing that God created. It's a beautiful institution that God created um, for enjoyment, for blessing. And marriage, uh, it's compatibility. It's you get to grow old with someone and, and do life with someone. It's a beautiful thing. So don't, do not take it, um, you know, as now you don't, I hear people say, I'll never get married again. I'm done with marriage. Take your time. Get healed. Let the Lord heal you, and don't don't throw away that prospect. Well, I think that the self evaluation is so important because I, I have said this before in marriage counseling as well as when we've spoken on marriage. But you attract who you are. Yeah. So if you are desiring a godly marriage and a godly spouse, you yourself must be godly. Right. You know, and and so it's so important to take that time to self reflect and and that kind of thing. Well, lane change, little gear shift, uh-oh, but uh-oh. Um, yeah, Rochelle, talk to us about the end of each chapter and um, how you guys came up with the plot for that and how that developed. Were you talking about the discussion questions? Yes, the discussion questions. I loved the discussion questions. I thought those were great. Well, that was a really important thing to us um, because a lot of couples struggle with communication. We've had couples that have come in and say, you know, we just don't know what to talk about or how to get started with um, talking about situations or hard things and so we really it was very very important um, to us that we had discussion questions at the end of each chapter to give that springboard to give couples something to to talk about so that they can't come back and say well we didn't know what to talk about like you know what to talk about here is what it is and especially in like regard to sex um, it's uncomfortable it is uncomfortable to talk about sex but we tell people do it anyway. I mean, like, it's going to continue to be uncomfortable if you don't talk about it at all. And so starting, just giving them a place to start with tackling some of those um, difficult issues to talk about, um, giving them the questions, the words, leads to deeper conversations. And so it was really important for us that we had those um, at the end of each chapter. That's as as a couple talking together as they read each right. chapter, but also it could be used in the counseling. Mm-hmm. So we can use those as questions when we're doing counseling with couples. Also it could be used in a small group. If you read it like chapter at a time as a small group and you could do the questions together. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you share the story of uh, Matt and Reagan in the book. 
and um, I alluded to that earlier, but uh, I didn't give their marriage a lot of hope. Uh, Matt was an alcoholic, and their marriage was toxic. Um, but Chris, uh, just share a little bit about the, the transformation God did in that marriage. Yeah, I mean, they looking back, you know, there was a lot of textbook things that went right with the restoration of their marriage, and it really truly was a resurrection. And Debbie, you know, met with Reagan individually, and I met with Matt individually. They didn't even do marriage counseling right away. It was more about their individual health because uh, there's a misconception that marriage completes you. Like you come together with someone and then you're completed by that other person. That's called a codependent relationship. That's not healthy. It's two whole people coming together. Mm -hmm. And so with Matt and Reagan, you had people that uh, were both hurting, were both had uh, character defects, emotional uh, sickness in their life. And so working with them individually and then eventually them coming back together, two whole people coming to together, becoming a powerful force together. Now they're doing ministry together. They're in a church doing ministry. Right. So. Well, well, Matt was one that uh, he kind of had head knowledge, not heart knowledge when it came to the Lord. And uh, through your meeting with him, he really came to know Christ. Well, Matt had to make a decision that the marriage was not going to be his number one priority, but having a relationship with Jesus was going to be his number one priority and just getting healthy, getting in a to better spot. And then once he got to that place, then getting his family back was the priority. So it wasn't, some people have the mindset, I'll just do whatever it takes to get my marriage back. But no, he did the groundwork. He got the foundation right of having a relationship with God and being healthy himself before pursuing Reagan and they have two children as well. Well, the, the question from John 5, do you want to get well, uh, that resonates you know, in, in a person's life, in their marriage. Hey, do you want to keep living like you're living or do you want to get well? If you will start doing what God says to do, your life can transform. Uh, but if you don't, if you just keep, you know, the definition of insanity, I just keep doing the same things over and over again, expecting a different result you're not gonna get a different result. Right, right, and that's the thing. Do you want to work at this? Now, if you're willing to work at it and you're both gonna work at it, God can do amazing things. And you know, going from being in a bad marriage and that marriage being resurrected and it being a healthy, strong marriage, what a huge blessing to someone. Well, I always tell people, you know, you have the marriage that you have, you have, uh, which is the reason you're in counseling, you don't like this. right? Um, you can stay together, Christians. Well, I'm supposed to not get divorced, but I hate what I have. So option A is is stay married in this rotten relationship. Option B is getting divorced, and they never see option C. And option C is the marriage resurrection. Hey, if if you'll start putting the Lord first and really do what He says, watch God change your heart. Watch God change your marriage. Watch Him raise this from the dead. We don't have much time, Chris, but but tell us just real briefly. What advice do you have to those that ha- that have gone through the counseling, they've seen a resurrection in their marriage, but newsflash, they're still going to have some problems. That's right. That's right. Marriage is, is uh, it's work. It takes work and it's continuous work. And so um, don't stop working at it and it's going to keep getting better. Well, I think you have to be intentional. Intentionality is key. Well, we've been talking to Dr. Chris and Rochelle Schroeder. They are on staff at First Baptist Church in Texarkana, Texas. Chris is our teaching pastor and counselor, and Rochelle is our counselor also. And uh, they counsel uh, couples 
and primarily in the area of marriage, but all sorts of things. And their book is The Marriage Resurrection, or just Marriage Resurrection, and you can pick up a copy, marriageresurrection.com. And uh, this will be a blessing to you, maybe to a son or a daughter that's married. Uh, It is a great book for any marriage, but especially if your marriage is on the rocks. Well, thank you for listening today to Real Truth for Today. I'm your host, Pastor Jeff Shreve, and I look forward to being with you again next time. God bless you.